You're listening to a message from Victory Church of the Bay Area. For more information, please visit us on our website at victoryus.org. Right. You can open your Bibles with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and we can all stand up. Uh, we are continuing our series on, on finances. Uh, basically, we're talking about master or servant, the pitfalls of loving money. Okay, and uh, we don't want us to be caught as lovers of money because when we love money, the Bible says it is the root of all kinds of evil. And when we love money, we make ourselves slaves of it. Okay, so that's why God wants us to have His understanding of money and how we can use it, not for money to use us. Okay, so let's go ahead and um, open our Bibles to First Timothy if you're already there. 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to read from verse 17 up to verse 19. Okay, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Let's pray. Father, we commit this time to you. We thank you for your word, and we pray, God, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our spirits, Lord, and instruct us today with your word, that we may live according to your word, that we may understand these, Lord, these issues regarding finances, and that we would see your perspective and that we would use finances and our resources and our wealth, not as, as our goal in life, but as instruments, as tools, and as servants uh, of your purpose. And so, Lord, right now, we just pray that you would open our hearts that we may receive your word, and Lord, we'll have your way in our hearts so that we may be changed, so that our minds and our mindsets and our worldviews and our, and our perspective on money would be aligned to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may all have your seats. Again, just uh, for us to have a snapshot of what we're looking at for, the next, for this series, we, already, we are on week two. And um, last week, we talked about greed versus contentment. And today, we're going to talk about false hope versus true security. And see, we're contrasting the common misconceptions about money with what the Bible says. Okay, and that's why we said master or servant. See, money sometimes can become our master. We treat it as a God, but God designed for money to be our servant to fulfill his purpose. Okay, so it's, we're not to be controlled by money, but we are to have control over finances. And, and, uh, but many times, as Larry mentioned a while ago, we put our hope on our wealth. How many of you talked about last week about the desire to get rich? How many of you have that desire to get rich? <laughs> Those who desire to get rich fall into many traps, okay? So we're not, the Bible is not saying you don't have a desire. Just make sure that those desires are according to God's word and accord, are sanctified and that they are according to God's will, not according to your will, not according to your selfish ambition or your selfish gain, okay? So, but God wants us to have security in Him, not on riches, okay? And um, the big idea, basically, for this sermon is that security comes by trusting in Christ alone, not in riches, 
How many of you uh, have insurance, life insurance? We all have different kinds of insurance, car insurance. Um, here, we have insurance here, we have insurance there, we have insurance everywhere. And then uh, some of you invest because you want to feel secure, right? You know, how many feel more secure if you have more money in the bank? Okay, so how many of you feel more secure if you have all these uh, insurances set up already? Okay, all these policies. And um, those who sell insurance say that uh, you'll be more secure when you have these things. You can secure your future. In a sense, that is true, but many people put their hope and trust in that. Now, in the Philippines, uh, a few years before we moved here, some of our friends you know, invested basically a lot into in college plan. You know? And then they invested a lot on that, and then uh, one of those firms that offer that kind of insurance collapsed. And so they were promised that, okay, your your child's future uh, college needs will be taken care of. And they go, okay, that's going to be secure. And then it collapsed, and it just went bankrupt. And so now, some of them lost money, and now they don't have the security, and they don't have the provision for their college future, for their children's college. See, many times we put our trust in riches, thinking that they're always going to be there. And riches and our wealth become our security blanket, you know. How many of you are... How many of you watched the, the Peanuts movie already? Came out. How many, how many of you watched it? Just a few? Just one? Two? Okay, a few. Okay, so it's, I think it's still uh, showing today. If you're into um, Peanuts and uh, Charlie Brown, Charles Schultz, one of the characters of uh, Peanuts is Linus. Uh, remember this, this person? Linus, okay, so he always carries his blanket. He loves his blanket. He loves his blanket. He always carries his blanket. How many of you, when you were kids, you had like something like this, but not a blanket, but like a, a pillow? You know, you love your pillow. I, I, when I travel, and when I, I, it's funny, in the airports, I see people carrying their luggages and their huge pillows. Somehow they feel more secure when they have those things. They, they call it a security blanket or security pillow. Some of you have your own toy. You can't sleep without your, your teddy bear. Okay, or some of you girls, you can't see without your dolls, you know. Or for some of the boys, they can't see without their transformers, you know. So it's there. They, just, they place security on those things. And uh, you call it security blank. Many times people put their security and trust in riches, in wealth. Like I said last week, sometimes, and many times, we allow ourselves to be defined by the wealth that we have. And thinking that because we have more wealth than others, then we are in a place of privilege and greater rights, you know, that we think that we are, you know, we have, we are entitled to a lot more things in society. And that's why we get this notion that thinking that we're better than everybody or that we're better than some or than most. Okay, and that's what the, the scripture we read, you know, uh, it's about being haughty because we place our security on those things. I want to ask this question, where do you place your hope in life? I'm not just talking about security, I'm talking about your hope. What is the hope of your life? Okay, let's go to our, to our text right now, and um, let me just share to you the context of this. Last week, uh, a few verses before this, Paul was talking about the dangers of greed and uh, the benefits of contentment. And he said those things in the context of refuting and addressing the issue of false teachers 
spreading things that bring confusion in the church. And uh, some of those false teachers are even teaching that righteousness is a means to financial gain. You know, if you're godly, then God will bless you. And everything about the Christian life is all about the blessing of God. Now, when they talk about blessing, they're talking about blessing in dollar signs. And that's all you hear about with them. And Paul refuted that and he instructed Timothy to address those things and to teach the people that those who desire to get rich fall into a temptation and to a snare and they pierce themselves with many griefs and some will wander away from the faith because of the deceptiveness of wealth. Okay, And people would... Pursue wealth rather than pursue God. So the context of this, it, he continues on with that. But now, here, Paul was addressing, instructing Timothy about those who are already rich. Remember last week, we talked about those who desire to be rich. Now here, ask for the rich, those who are actually wealthy, those who actually have what those people are desiring. Okay. And sometimes we classify society as the, one, as, uh, the haves and the have-nots. Have you heard that? The haves and the have-nots. The elite and the masses, or, or you know, the elite and the, the, the middle class and the poor. Those things. And, the, and social, uh, social uh, classes sometimes create barriers that are not supposed to be there. Okay. Now, this section balances the more extreme prohibitions of the previous subject we talked about last week. And you will notice here, Paul did not condemn being wealthy. But he talked about the dangers of seeking it, the dangers of desiring it. And now he's talking about the dangers that wealthy people face. I mean, the temptations wealthy people face. Okay? But... um, as we look here, so are you saying, so is this message only for rich people now? How many of you are rich? You would say you're rich. Okay, so some of you would say, I'm not that rich. Come on. Some of you are thinking, I'm rich. But you just want, don't want to say it. <laughs> so, so is this only for people who, is this only for the haves? No, it's not just for the haves. It's also for the have-nots. Because if you draw the principles from this passage, You know, the principles we're going to see here, it does not just apply to wealthy people. It applies even to poor people who desire to be rich. So it's still, the principles are still applicable to anybody, okay? So whether you're rich or poor, okay, these principles that we're going to look at apply to us as well. And we will find many times that we struggle with these things as well, okay? So, but he is specifically focusing on those who are rich. Now, let me say this before we go on. The Bible says that we are to have godliness with contentment. Does that mean that God doesn't want, to, God doesn't want you to, to you know, have more than enough? That's not what we're talking about here. Contentment is being happy and satisfied with God in any state in life. Knowing that God provides for you and for you. And you're content with that. And if God deems it that you should be wealthy, then you should be content with that as well. Don't take it as like you're better than anybody. Okay? But you see, let me make the statement. It's not an issue for God to bless us with riches. You go, oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> it's not an issue with him to bless you with riches. 
provided that you don't make your riches your God, that you don't replace God with those things. The problem today is many of us pursue the blessing rather than the one who gives the blessing. We're so caught up with the materialistic view in the West that the neighbor, they have this and that and that. How come I don't have it? And I'm not content. See, they get to, they get to choose to, you know, to sleep in two, three, four rooms every night. And here we have to cramp in this small room. You see, contentment is being satisfied with God in any and every situation. But it's not an issue for God to bless us with riches, provided we don't make riches our God. Provided that we can be trusted with it. So the question is, can we be trusted? When God entrusts riches to us, can we be trusted with it? Will we make, will we make wealth our master? Or will we put it in its proper place and let it be a servant to God's purpose in our lives. Okay, but the thing is, many people are deceived by wealth. Okay, so let's go to our, to our passage right now. <clears throat> it says here, as for the rich in this present age. You know, the, the term present age speaks of basically this life, the life that you live. You, when you're alive on the earth, that's, and then until you die, that's, you know, the, the time that you live in the present age, your present age, okay? So, uh, and says, though as for the rich in the present age, few things here. Number one, you see, it is possible for you to be rich and be a believer. You see that? It's possible. Some of you are going, hmm, thank you, Lord. You see, if that's what you're, if you're getting excited about that, then, you know, you need to put your heart in, in check. <laughs> because maybe there's a this call for money. And believe me, all of us struggle with this. What are you going to do when you're walking, walking somewhere and then you see, you see, um, you know, plastic bag that's there and then you, you look at it inside is $5,000 or $10,000. Finders keepers! <laughs> Some of you say finders keepers. You look, yay! Some of you will go, will struggle and be tempted and, you know, struggle every night in the whole night. You'll keep it and say, I should give it away or I should, I should bring it back. Oh, and then you can't sleep because you're torn because inside of you there's a battle. Something tells you, keep it. And something also tells you, give it back to its rightful owner. Find the owner. You know, so that's going to be a struggle. So the present age suggests that the rich people's wealth is good for the present world, but does not automatically translate to blessedness in the world in eternity. A lot of people think that because you're rich in this world, automatically you're going to be in a high elite status in heaven. Some people think that way. If God can bless me here, see, this is just a foretaste. So yeah, it is a foretaste. But it doesn't automatically translate. Remember what we read last week? Naked I came to the earth. Naked I will depart it. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You see, we come into this world with nothing. And we leave this world with nothing. Material thing. We're talking about nothing. Material thing. Okay? So... Paul then gives Timothy commands for rich people. So here, this is for the rich. 
And uh, the next part of that is this. Charge them. When, you say char- when Paul said charge them, in another translation, it says command them. The NIV says command the rich not to be haughty. Now, what does the word haughty mean? Okay? It's not the Australian term for a good-looking person. Okay? So <laughs> some of you will get it in a, in a few minutes. So. Okay, haughty means to be proud. To be marked as arrogant by a sense of one's own superiority over others. Being haughty is looking down on others with disdain because you see them as unworthy of your presence or your time or of your company. They're beneath me. You know, I don't associate with those people. I also associate only with my people, my, my kind of people. Okay? I don't associate with the lowly. You know what? The good thing with the gospel, see, the, all these social barriers that sin and selfishness have created, the gospel breaks. And that's why in the gospel, the Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's no slave nor free, there's no rich or poor. All of us are one in Christ, and we're brothers and sisters. Come on now. The gospel levels the playing field. See, God doesn't look down on you with favor because you're rich. And many people think, oh, I'm so rich, that means I'm blessed by God. Not necessarily. We have been given the grace to produce wealth. And the Bible says the ability to produce wealth comes from God. So God gives everyone the ability to produce wealth. Okay? There are a lot of rich people who do not know God. And they live sinful lifestyles. Don't think that riches automatically translate to the blessing, favor, and grace of God. Sometimes it does, but not all the time. So, command them not to be haughty. In the New International Version, this word haughty is translated as arrogant. Command them not, not to be arrogant. In the New American Standard Bible, it says conceited. Command rich people not to be conceited. You know what conceit is? You know, they're full of themselves. They are the standard. When they say perfection, they're the standard. Anything less than them, that's nothing. Okay? Conceited. In the King James, this word is translated as high-minded. They think highly of themselves more than they ought to. Haughtiness is a pretty common temptation and characterization of rich people. Many rich people, whether they realize it or not. And you don't even have to be rich to be haughty. I'm in the middle class. I'm not that rich. But I'm not poor. I don't associate with poor people. See, when you have that kind of mentality, then there's that haughtiness there. A superiority, thinking that you're better. That's what the deceptiveness of wealth can bring into your life. That's why I love, love it when, when people who, you know, the, the rags to riches. How many of you have heard some of those stories? They started out from, from being nothing and becoming somebody. Those kinds of stories that I love are the ones who started from rags and moved on to riches, but their character stayed the same. But there are people who moved on from rags to riches, and they're totally different people. And they're like, see, I was like that. I'm better now. 
See, you can't tell me, you can't, t- you can't tell me now what to do. I can tell you now what to do. See, they change. Haughtiness is a sense of entitlement and self-importance. They see privileges that wealth brings as rights. Do you know who I am? I'm the biggest tither here in this church. So I should have a say in this church. Do you know who I am? I'm the richest person here in this city. So if I want that seat, you give me that seat. Some people think that way. Now you say, I'm not that way, Pastor Neil. I'm not that way. (laughs) Many times we judge people by the brands of clothing they have. Yeah, so if we, when we look at the, you know, a person for the first time, hey, and then you look at the, their clothing. You look at them, you see, you see, a, you see an alligator here, you know, an alligator or, a, or one riding a horse with, with a stick, you know. And then, hey, so, you know. But when you see someone who has a, it's funny, in the film, years ago we had this, uh, we were teasing our friends, and this is, these were friends of mine, you know, there's a brand that came out, that, uh, and the brand was, uh, and uh, the etching here was uh, an image of a man, you know, playing golf like that. So he's about to swing, right? So, and that became a, a, a fad, so quite popular in the Philippines during that time. But then there was one knockoff. It was a knockoff. It had the same brand, but it was a knockoff. And the golfer was like this. He, he was tired. He was like this. <laughs> well, he got tired of standing all that time. So <laughs> but it had the same name, you know. <laughs> and then we say, we don't, we don't want to associate with those people. <laughs> I saw another um, graphic um, just this week. It's, it's funny. We were talking about this, and then these are the things I see. There's this one person <clears throat> riding a yellow um, Lamborghini. He was driving his yellow Lamborghini, and he was looking up the sky, and he sees a, 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 a helicopter. It's not a commercial one. It's a private helicopter. And he was saying, I don't think I have enough money to buy that. And he was looking at the helicopter. And right next to him was a person with a, with an, a BMW SUV looking at the Lamborghini, pining over the Lamborghini. That's not a machine, that's a work of art. I think I need to work, save two years worth of, of uh, salary, not spending anything, just to get that. And he's driving this BMW SUV. And then, here's a person here who drives a Ford Escape, looks at the SUV, the BMW SUV. What a machine. He's pining over that thing. And then there's this car, this hybrid car, looking at the SUV. I wish I could have that kind of car. Because I can't, he has a lot of stuff in his car. And it's a hybrid, it's so tiny, and he's packed all his stuff there. I wish I could have that kind of vehicle. I could put more stuff there. I could put all. And then there's, next, next to this, hybrid is this 21-year-old vehicle looking at that 
Wow, so hot today, and, it's, and he has AC. What I would give for AC, air conditioning. <laughs> what I would give for that kind of vehicle. At least he gets to enjoy the cool, you know, I mean, cool air in a hot day. And then this guy with a bike. I have to do this every day. <laughs> Two hours every day, one hour one way, one hour back. Oh, I wish I have a car. And then, right by the curb, the guy who missed his bus. See a bike. I wish I have a bike. And then I missed my bus, so I guess I'm just going to have to work. What a miserable life. So he's walking to work. Probably he will be late. And then, in the condominium complex right beside him, behind him, was a man looking down on the guy. He was in a wheelchair. And he can't go anywhere. He says, you know what? He misses bus. But at least he gets to go to work. And he gets to go to places without being encumbered. You see what I'm trying to point out here? Wealth, material, materialism is so deceptive. It tells you you need more. You need more, you know? How many of you just upgraded to the latest gadget? Believe me, in a year's time, you're locked up two years. In a year's time, you're going to look at that. And you're going to look at the new one. <laughs> Many times we flaunt, flaunt our wealth. You know, the Bible commands rich people to not look down on others. And don't think so highly of yourself. Because remember this. There's someone far better than you. If you want to measure it that way. There's always someone better looking than you, younger looking than you, they have more money than you, they have a bigger house than you, they have more cars than you do. You know, there's always going to be someone, and you're always going to be, see, that's why you don't look down on people, because what you sow, you will reap. Okay, it looks foolish, right? I mean, I've seen it so many times, how foolish it is. For people who are not even rich, look down on poor people thinking that they are so high and mighty and they do power play. Do you know who I am? And then here comes, you know, like in, in a traffic situation and those cars, you know, they, they try to sneak up on each other and tempers are flaring. And then one guy goes, goes out of his car, approaches the other vehicle. Do you know who I am? And then the guy rolls down his vehicle. And then the driver doesn't talk to him. He's wearing shades. Talk to my boss. And then the boss rolls down his window back the back seat. Turns out to be somebody more important. Who did you say you were? <laughs> Looks funny, doesn't it? But people think that by a little wealth, they're a lot better than everybody. That's haughtiness. That is a product of sin. Okay? And the Bible commands rich people not to be haughty. Paul says to every believer in Rome not to think of your, himself more highly than he ought to, ought to think, but think with, to think with sober judgment. So Paul commanded the rich people not to be haughty. Okay? Secondly, he commanded the, the rich people not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Now, I want to show you a couple of pictures here. How many of you have seen this? Live. Do you know what this is? For how many 49ers fan, fans do we have here? How many of you have seen this? 
in their facility, in their headquarters. You seeing those? Okay. So, so in 2010, I was fortunate and blessed to have been invited by our senior pastor in, in our Every Nation Church in Orlando, who, Tim Johnson, who was uh, a former NFL player. He, was, uh, he played for the, for the Washington Redskins, for the Steelers. I forgot the third team he played for, but he won, uh, he won a Super Bowl with the Redskins. And he's now our senior pastor in uh, Orlando, our Every Nation Church there. And during, in 2010, this is during the um, Mike Singletary era. I didn't put his, uh, but I, I, got to, I got to meet him. I was in his office. So uh, Tim, Pastor Tim Johnson called me up. He said, hey, I'm going to be in San Francisco. I'm going to be speak. I was invited by my friend who was a player development uh, director in the San Francisco Fort Niners organization. He asked me to speak to the team, uh, values formation. So you want to tag along? So, so I said, do birds fly? <laughs> of course I want to tag along. So Tim Johnson is this huge, huge linebacker. And <laughs> I look like a hobbit when I'm beside him. So, so when we went to the Fortnite facility, I did feel like Frodo Baggins. Because everybody was like, see this thigh? This is, my thigh is smaller than some of those guys' necks. You know, so I was like, this is crazy. I mean, like, they would walk by me, would no, won't notice me and crush me. So, so I was there. And to prove that I was there, see? Semi-selfie right there. <laughs> Those are the team. I, I think this is Patrick Willis right there. So um, then um, this is in their meeting room. So, okay, so I was like, so Pastor Tim Johnson was speaking, and I was like, he asked this question, part of his discussion here. How many of you believe that the affluence, the wealth, and the lifestyle that you have will be continue on for the rest of your life? You know what was surprising? Almost all of them said, ah, oh, yeah, some of, them, some of them cussed as they said yes, you know, so, and I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. They were thinking this was going to continue for the rest of their lives, and Pastor, and Pastor Tim was there to pop their bubble, you know, and, and he was speaking there, and it's like, you know, he, they weren't really paying attention to what he was saying, and then, you know, and then and people, they were, they were like high school kids, they were, they were throwing, um, paper, you know, papers to each other, you know, they were rolling paper and they were throwing. They were, it's like a high school class and they were, they were having fun. But uh, pa Pastor Tim goes, um, I'm sorry guys, you're professionals and um, I think there's something that I had, I, I'm saying here that, that you would benefit from and um, secondly, I'm, I've, I've been where you are and thirdly, I have a, I have a ring. So I think I deserve the right to speak something here. So all of them, when he pulled up that ring card, you know, everybody just shut up. So they were listening to this guy, to, to our pastor, and he basically preached. And, but it was, I was so astounded by that, the fact that people think that this kind of lifestyle will remain forever. And once they hit a certain level of wealth, this is going to be forever. And he was telling him about this and uh, his story, you know, he said, you know, I knew this was not going to last forever. So during the off season, I'm, I'm in contract, but I also worked, you know, he said, uh, I worked for this much in, a, in their community. Forgot the, the place where he worked at, but he worked for this much. And, 
I think $20,000 or something. And one of the guys go, $20,000? I ain't working for no $20,000. The guy right in front of me. I ain't saying who. So, but <laughs> I was like, wow, this is so astounding. People think this will last forever. So when you reach a certain level of wealth, ladies and gentlemen, do you think it will last forever? Do you think it will be for your whole life? You're going to stay there? But we act like it, don't we? Ouch. Ouch, right? So, <laughs> you see, money and wealth are oftentimes seen by most people as their hope and security blanket in life. Let me read to you this, this parable. Jesus, when, you know, somebody went in the, from the crowd, said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide inheritance with me. So again, we, we referred to this last week. And Jesus said, said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Basically, the guy was saying, could you tell him to divide the wealth? He's, he got everything. You know who defines what they get? It's the parents. It's the father. And in their culture, it's the firstborn who gets the double portion of the inheritance. And then for someone to say, tell him to divide it. See, it's unfair. Tell him to divide the inheritance. So what was he saying? He, it, 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 he, it, that very statement betrays the motives that he had, right? That he wanted to have those riches. He wanted to have the same privileges. And then that's why Jesus didn't accommodate that. And so, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And will say to my soul, Soul... You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. That's a very nice way of saying, This very night you're going to die. Your time is up. You don't know. You're planning for the future. You don't even know your time is up tonight. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, it's possible for you to be rich in this present world and be poor towards God, that you're spiritually bankrupt. And that is the more important one because that, the spiritual aspect of our lives is what will continue on in eternity, not the material things, not the money that you have, okay? It's foolish, you see. Trusting in riches, in wealth, is foolish. Okay? If you trust in riches, then, it, then you're being a fool. See, it's like depending on chance. You are trusting in chance. Would you like to bet your life on chance? You see, I want to be secure. That's why I'm trusting in money. You see, that's foolish because you want to be secure? Then trust in something that is, that's going to outlast this material world. Trust in what is really eternal. Proverbs 23 verses 4 and 5 says, Do not toil to acquire wealth, 
be discerning enough to desist. Some people have two, three, even four jobs just to maintain a lifestyle. And they're, you know, their, their hair is like this, you know, and their eyes are, uh, they're frazzled and their, their nerves are frayed. They, go, they call your name, what? What? And you're like that? I'm like this, but I get to carry this bag. See this bag? I'm important. See these shoes? I'm important. See this? I'm important. See the car I'm driving? And you're toiling over. That's foolish. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. See, money can just be gone. Look at this. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. How many of you have experienced this? You've had money and all of a sudden it was gone. The first time I was in debt, um, I, you know, I experienced debt when I was in my early 20s when I was in Guam. So I helped, I moved there to, help, to work there and to help plant our first international church there when I was working. But I made wrong decisions. I mean, I'm a young, young you know, college grad thinking that I knew everything, you know, so I'm a college grad, you know. I graduated from this university. I, I know these things. A few months later, I was like, so I was in debt because we bought a car that was a lemon. For the, for the 14 months that I was there, I, we were only able to use the car for like three months. Most of the time, it was in the shop. And we spent more for repairs and for that thing than the car itself when we bought it. And that got us into debt. But I said, I'm going to pay my debt. Before I go back to the Philippines, I'm going to pay my debt. If I'm gonna, not going to eat, if I'm not going to eat... So be it. So I decided that when, 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 come December, when I go back, back home to the Philippines, my debt will be paid. So I made that decision, because, but it was so hard. So people, you know, um, when, when my salary would come, I would take my tithe, give tithes and offerings, give it to the church, and the rest, I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay off my debt. And trust God, that was pretty crazy for me to do. And I said, I did crazy things, so Lord, this is radical. I'm going to trust you to provide. So my salary just came to pass. Came, I saw it, and then it passed. <laughs> passed on to my debt. And then uh, there would be days, uh, you know, weeks that I would be in a forced fast. So water and, you know, crackers, whatever, at work. Neil, you want to join us for lunch? Ah, I'm okay. Don't you eat lunch? Ah, not really that much. I'm, I'm busy. Busy. I'm going to make myself busy so that I won't focus that on the fact that I'm not going to eat. That's going to, that's going to make me depressed. So that's why in, in Guam, um, they have a culture of fiesta. How many of you are from Guam or been there? You, are, you lived in Guam? So the fiesta is not a town thing. It's anybody can throw a fiesta. If it's your birthday, you can throw a fiesta. And part of the culture there is uh, when they throw a fiesta, let's say, in, on the beach... They can invite just anybody, anybody who's just passing, they can just invite you, you know, and then that's a great way to meet new people. And so, Sundays, after church, where are you going? Oh, I'm just going to stroll around the beach, <laughs> pray to God, ask God for provision. And then, true enough, people there were having fiestas, said, hey, come here, what's your name? Neil. So, praise God, you know, so, and then when people from our church, hey, Neil, you want to you know, you want to you wanna hang out at home tonight? Uh, 
Well, you know, for dinner? Sure. <laughs> so, but I learned a lot. I mean, that was that that was so oppressive. That taught me a lot, and that's why I said, you know what? I, I look back to that. I've learned so many things from that. Money just sprouts wings. Let me read this. Uh, Money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Books, but not a brain. Food, but not appetite. Clothing, but not beauty. A house, but not a home. A watch, but not time. Medicines, but not health. Amusement, but not joy. It can buy a crucifix, but not a savior. Trust in money brings a false hope and a false security that would lead to disaster and even destruction. Proverbs 10.22 in the Amplified Bible says, The blessing of the Lord brings true riches, and He adds no sorrow to it, for it comes as a blessing from God. Another version says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and He adds no trouble to it. Many times we get ourselves in trouble because we pursue riches. We don't pursue God. And here's the third command as we are winding down. As for the rich in the present age, charge them. Not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. See, riches are uncertain. But here's the third command. But put their hope on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Oh, so God, you can give me the, the mansion I'm dreaming of. No, 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 no. It's not what you want, it's what he wants. It's not your will, it's his will. Okay? And hope here is the confident and reasonable expectation of a future event. Psalm 147 verse 11 says, But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast loving. See, the Lord takes pleasure. You bring him pleasure when you put your hope in him. Now, how many of you are so pleased with, there are people that you're pleased to be with, pleased to know, and you just, because you're so pleased with them, you just want to bless them. You have those kinds of people? What, what can God do when he's pleased with you? You know? He can just, he, that's why it's not an issue for him to bless you. And the blessing is not something you deserve, you know? It's something he just freely gives. But it's going to be easier to bless people who are hoping in Him. So what's the reason that we can trust God? He richly provides us with some of the things that we need. Is that what it says there? What does it say there? He richly provides us with? With? See, some of you are having a hard time to say it because you can't. Can God really provide everything? Not everything you want and wish. You see, God is not a genie. Okay, It's not like Aladdin's genie. Many times you treat God as a genie, okay? He's not a genie. He's not subject to your will and wishes and whims. He blesses you according to his purpose. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2 in the NIV says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, and the house that is being spoken of here is not just, is not the physical house. In the Old Testament, when you talk about a house, especially when the Lord speaks of it, it's, it's the family. Okay, unless the Lord builds the family, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late. How many of you do this? Because you're working. You rise early and stay up late. Right? You don't get that 
required number of hours of sleep. And you go, huh? At work. Hey, can you do this? What? 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 In vain, you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Rest. Relax. God gives us rest. But it's interesting. Uh, I underlined that phrase because in the NIV footnote, this is all, can also be translated this way. You know, for while they sleep, God, he, meaning God, provides for those he loves. Don't you love that? You put your hope in God. He gives you rest. You sleep. And while you're sleeping, he makes sure he, his, provision, his provision comes to you. He's the one working that for you, not you. Come on now. When we lose our strength, here's a good thing with God. He provides everything. When we lose hope, when we lose our strength, when we become weak, he gives us strength. Isaiah 40 says this, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Are you discouraged? Hope in the Lord, and you know what? You're going to find yourself soaring again. Not in, the, in, not in your self-will and self-encouragement. It's going to be in the power and encouragement of the Holy Spirit, infusing new life into, you, into your being. They will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. We can trust God for our future, for everything we need, because He's a benevolent God, and He is an all-powerful God, and He's an all-sufficient God. He never runs out. So we have everything we need in Him. So to summarize, okay, the commands to rich people, not only to rich people, but basically drawing the principle, this applies to everybody when it comes to riches. Okay? The command is not to be haughty, not to hope in riches, but to set our hope in God who richly provides us with everything for us to enjoy. God wants us to enjoy it. Not on our luxuries, but he wants you to enjoy him and his blessing with him. And here's the main point. True hope and security come only by trusting in Christ, not in riches. Simple. You want to have security in life? You want to have hope in life that never fades regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the economic situation? Put your hope in Christ. He's never affected by the economy. He's never affected by... by the social poles and the social weathers that we face. God can supply everything we need, and he wants to. As I end, see, this hope God gives us goes far beyond wealth and the material world. This hope is found only in Christ. And, and in 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. It's not just a, a wishful hope. It's not a faint hope. It's a living hope. It's a hope that is alive. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, all this, that we're, all this hope that God is talking about, that you can have, is found only in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in, in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. That encompasses everything, even the material things. 
everything we need for life and godliness. In Christ, we have everything. Now, how many of you have money in the bank? You have money, right? Is, is all that money in your pocket right now? Some of you, get, I need to have all that money here. But you see, you put it in the bank. And you trust the bank to keep it for you. Right? You may not have it now, but you have it there. You see, it's in a way, that's what Jesus is. It's not that you entrust things to him. You know what? You get what you need from him. He never runs out of supply for your provision. All you need is a relationship with him. And you have everything you need. Everything you need. Not want, not desire, selfishly, but everything you need for you to fulfill the purpose why he made you alive. And you get to enjoy it along the way. Isn't God good? He wants you to enjoy his blessing provided you don't pursue it. You pursue him. You get to enjoy more and more of his blessing when you pursue him. And you don't pursue the riches and the blessings. Let's all stand right now. Jesus Christ. You see the hope that we're talking about here. Jesus Christ is our hope. He is our living hope. And here's something that Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus. He prayed, let me, okay, Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 19, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is his prayer. I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And look at this. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Uh, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. You see, knowing Jesus is to know the hope to which you, you have been called to. And when you know the hope, who is a living hope, then all you can be secure in your life. You can because you have everything you need in Christ. And he wants you to enjoy that life. Not in a humanistic way, but in a way that will glorify Him. Let's pray right now. And I'm, let me pray this. Paul prayed this for the people, in the believers in Ephesus. I pray this also for our people, Lord, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Lord, first of all, to recognize and discern the deceptiveness of wealth and to discern it and stay away from it, to flee from it and to pursue you. And as we pursue you, Lord, you, Lord, we ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better and that we may know the hope to which you have called us to. And this hope is a living hope in the person of Jesus, our Savior, in whom we have all things. And so today we place our hope in Christ, not on our riches, not in our ability to make wealth. Even that ability comes from you, Lord. We put our hope and trust for our life or everything we need. We put you first. We put, we put our trust in you. And we repent of trusting in riches. We repent of being haughty, thinking that we're better because we've reached a certain level of wealth. Lord, please forgive us. We repent. Lord, forgive us our sin of pride and haughtiness. And help us, Lord, to not to be mastered by wealth, 
Lord, but help us to master wealth. Help us to master it and not run after it. Help us to use it for your purpose and for your glory. And Lord, as we are faithful stewards of the riches and the wealth that you entrust to us, Lord, you will be the one to give us more. If we're faithful with the small things, you can give us the big things. But Lord, we don't set our heart's desire on, on wealth, on pursuing wealth and having riches and having an affluent lifestyle. That's not what you've called the Christian to. You've called the Christian to pursue you. And out of that relationship, the lifestyle that brings honor and glory to God will come forth. And you will be the one to pour out your blessing upon your people as we trust in you. So Lord, today we repent of trusting in wealth. We put our trust in you. We put our hope in you. Knowing that in you we have all things. In you we have hope. We, in you we have true security. Our lives are secure. Our lives are hidden in you. And you make sure that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that pursuing you is a far greater option than pursuing wealth and making wealth on our own. Lord, thank you that as we pursue you, you've designed for wealth and riches to pursue us according to the measure you've called us to have. So, Lord, may we live our lives bringing glory and honor to your name as we cleanse our hearts, as you cleanse our hearts from the desire for wealth and from the desire to, Lord, to maintain wealth and pursue wealth. Cleanse us, Lord, that our hearts may reveal you to the world and use us to be a channel of your blessing as you entrust more of your blessing to us as we pursue you. We recognize that it is prosperity with a purpose. And Lord, help us to fulfill our purpose using the wealth as a means to bring glory to you. Lord, we glorify you today and we thank you for your forgiveness and we thank you for your grace. We thank you, Jesus, for you being our living hope. In you, we are secure. In you, we have all things that we need. We give you praise today in Jesus' name. We